You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. On this episode of Talking Taiwan, I'm speaking with Michael Fahey about Taiwan's gold card program. Michael Fahey is an American lawyer who's lived in Taiwan for 30 years. He's co-founder of Forward Taiwan, an organization founded to improve Taiwan's immigration laws as they pertain to foreign professionals. Welcome to the podcast, Michael. Hi, I'm glad to be here. I have to mention at the top of this podcast that I, w I got connected to you because of our mutual contact, Michael Turton, who mentioned you in his episode about biking in Taiwan. And um, I understand that you are actually the one that introduced him to biking in Taiwan. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's that's that is that is the case. Uh, I've been, uh, uh, in addition to my lawyering work, uh, I've been cycling in Taiwan very happily uh, since the early '90s. And as I recall, Michael got into it in the mid two aughts or so. Uh, mm -hmm. And you know, if you cycle in Taiwan, you eventually, you very soon have to go up some hills. And like most people, Michael was a little hesitant at first, uh, but with a little encouragement, uh, uh, he himself has become a uh, enthusiastic evangelizer uh, because one of the great perks of living in Taiwan is that it's a really great place to be a cyclist. Right. And how did you um, two of you meet? Well, we met through Michael's famous blog, uh, The View oh. from Taiwan. Uh, he was writing all this great stuff about Taiwan, and I realized that he'd been in Taiwan about the same amount of time as I had, but since he lived down in Taichung, we had never met. And so I reached out to him, and, uh, you know, we've been great friends for the better part of two decades now. I came to Taiwan to study Chinese in the late 80s, and uh, it wasn't actually love at first sight. Um, I, I enjoyed the experience, uh, but what really kept me in Asia and in Taiwan at that time was that uh, I was able to continue serious study of Chinese after I left, after I finished college, and I was also able to travel uh, pretty extensively in Asia, and Taiwan was kind of my base. Um, mm -hmm. But I wasn't particularly interested in Taiwan. Uh, but then... You know, I'd been here and I guess two things were happening. One was things were changing in Taiwan because uh, Taiwan's martial law ended in 1988. But for a few years after that, uh, martial law was officially over, but it really was still, uh, you know, not a free and open society. People were still getting right. sentenced to 10 years in jail for, for advocating Taiwanese mm. independence peacefully mm. and things like that. Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. But you know, think I was living in Taipei and down near the universities, and there were a lot of people my age who were starting to do stuff with the greater freedom that was afforded, and that caught yeah. my interest. And there was a yeah. time of great political and social change in Taiwan, and that got me interested in what was going on in uh -huh. Taiwan. And, uh -huh. and it was about that time that I started uh, cycling, and that took me out of Taipei uh, and to see, you know, the rest of Taiwan, uh, not only mm -hmm. the incredibly beautiful, uh, you know, mountains and oceans that Taiwan has, um, but also just getting out into some of the other towns and cities and meeting people and realizing that Taipei is to Taiwan kind of the way New York City is to the United States. Uh, it's yes. certainly, it's a very interesting yes. place, but it's not the only one. Uh, and yes. so I suppose the combination of those things made me more and more interested in Taiwan. And I discovered that I, I really liked it. Uh, and over the years, the quality of life in Taiwan has improved um, dramatically. It's become a free society. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. The transportation system, which was a real mess, is now incredibly efficient mm -hmm. uh and, right. you know there's many other uh you know it's it's a it's a good place mm -hmm. to live I, yeah. I i recommend yeah. trying it especially for i would guess that many of your listeners may uh have taiwanese heritage and there's been a real uptick in interest among second and even third generation people coming back mm -hmm. to to um 
find out about and live in Taiwan. And, and that's been great. Uh, and I think it's uh, a really great experience. You don't have to listen, live in Taiwan for your whole life, but I think it will, uh, you know, people say that it helps them understand their parents better. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's just um, uh, a wonderful experience for most people. I have to say that I follow you on Twitter and I find all of your tweets so informative. And I find myself wondering, how do you and all of these people on Twitter keep up on things and tweet so much? Well, it's, it's, uh, I mean, you know, there's Taiwan is, uh, is Bill Stanton, the former AIT, uh, uh, director here in Taiwan, Taiwan's unofficial, uh, the U S is unofficial ambassador to Taiwan has a wonderful presentation that he gives to people all the time, uh, explaining that, uh, many Taiwanese people think of Taiwan as being a small place, but it really isn't. It's, it's you know, a very large economy and 23 million people would make it one of the largest U.S. states or a mid-sized European country. So there's a lot going on here. Uh, it, the short form of Twitter is sometimes easier for me than actually writing something up or doing something as in-depth as a podcast. So I guess we all just <laughs> choose our uh, <laughs> what comes easiest to us. The Taiwan Gold Card Program has come up in a couple of different episodes, and I recall listening to an interview that Michael Turton did with you in which you talked about it. So I thought, I need to invite you onto the show to talk about it. Let's just get into this because uh, this is the main topic of this podcast, right? So what is this Gold Card Employment Program? Well, uh, the Gold Card Employment Program is a program from the Taiwanese government that seeks to encourage, uh, you know, professionals to live and work in Taiwan. Uh, it's kind of the mid tier of, uh, professional or, uh, immigration to Taiwan. Uh, there have always been, uh, what we now call ordinary work permits that lead to, residents for foreign professionals, and those are still in place and they have uh, lower requirements. They're probably more suitable for people who uh, are, you know, at relatively at the beginning of their career. And the gold card program is for people who I would generally say are kind of mid-career professionals. Uh, and then there's a top tier of senior uh, foreign professionals who are for people who are very distinguished uh, in their careers as well. And they have some additional special benefits. Um, so moving back to the gold card itself, what it is, is it combines um, a visa, which is permission to enter Taiwan. And it's also a work permit that allows you to work in Taiwan. And it's a resident permit, kind of like um, a green card or an H-1B visa that allows you to reside in Taiwan. And then it's also a re-entry permit that allows you to uh, enter Taiwan, you know, whenever you want to, uh, including significantly uh, during the pandemic. Uh, people with gold cards have been able to, uh, with gold cards that have been issued, have been able to enter Taiwan at all times during the pandemic, uh, subject, of course, to quarantine requirements and, and the like. Uh, so uh, it's, a four in one card that basically takes care of all your immigration and um, uh, work permit needs uh, for three years. And what's really great is that uh, after three years, just starting at the end of last year, you can apply for permanent residence in Taiwan. If you've been in Taiwan for an average of uh, 183 days for those three years, uh, and when you're a permanent resident, uh, it's basically like being a citizen, except that you can't vote uh, and you can't run for political office. And there's a few other, you know, social welfare programs that you're not eligible for. But but generally, uh, it's it's a way to be in Taiwan uh, long term. And the gold card makes that really easy now. Uh, so that's basically what the gold card is. Uh, and about 4,000 of them have been issued since uh, the program came online in uh, 2000 and early 2018. Uh, there was a big uptick when the pandemic hit. We had quite a few people uh, who were kind of COVID refugees or thought it would be uh, a lot of people 
from the U.S. and Europe who are of Taiwanese uh, heritage, you know, had been maybe had been thinking for a, a while about spending some time in Taiwan and thought that this would be a, a good time. Um, but I, there was also just a general uptick in interest. Taiwan has been more uh, prominent and there's been more interest both of people of Taiwanese heritage and not uh, of coming and living in Taiwan. So that's how we've gotten to 4,000 cards now. Uh, and the government's rather ambitious goal is to be at 10,000 by the end of the year. Uh, I don't, not sure if that's going to happen, um, but I think that we'll definitely have a few more, few thousand more cards. And it does suggest that, uh, you know, they're prioritizing it and trying to make it as easy as possible. Uh, although there is a, uh, an application process that you have to go through and you do need to meet, meet certain qualifications and you need to provide uh, documents and that sort of thing. So you mentioned that they're open to having as much as 10,000. So is that like the total limit or do they have some kind of limitation per year or like, are they going to cap it at some point? No, 10,000 is just the goal for the end of this year. Uh, oh, it, wow. So okay. there could be 20 or 30,000. I don't think we're going to get there right away. Um but uh, they have a longer-term goal by 2030 of having a total of 100,000 foreign professionals uh, in Taiwan, including gold card holders and ordinary uh, work permit holders. Um, I would guess that you know they're hoping that 30 or 40 percent of those would be gold card holders. Uh, they legally they can put a cap on it if there was a problem or there was backlash and you know among the Taiwanese public. Um, but at the moment, uh, unlike, for example, Singapore, which has gotten very relatively picky, uh, at the moment, it's a green light for gold cards in Taiwan. So I would say that, you know, now or within the next year is the time to apply. All right. So for people who are listening and thinking, oh, can I apply for this? What Am I eligible? How do I apply? Can you explain who would be eligible for this and what's the process? Mm, that's a broad question. Um, <laughs> there are currently eight fields that are open to uh, gold card holders, and those are uh, science and technology, uh, what they call economy, which really means kind of general business. If you don't fit anywhere else, you know, if you're not a banker, for example, or you're not a research scientist uh, and you're working for a big American company or maybe not such a big American company, it's likely that you'll be an economy. And that's, in fact, where most people are applying. Uh, and then there's some other ones like education that would typically be, you know, an academic uh Culture and arts, which is really diverse, uh, it includes um, it includes people who are in the performing arts. It includes people who are journalists or writers. Uh, it includes professionals in culture, like people who manage museums and that kind of thing. It has a handicrafts component, which would be like if you're a master potter or something like that. Uh, and then it also includes, uh, popular music and, um, uh, movies and TV actors. That is quite difficult to qualify for. Moving back up to the main fields, uh, in addition to science and technology, economy, education, culture, and arts, which we've already mentioned, there's also sport, finance. So if you're a banker, uh, law. Uh, architecture, architecture, and national defense. So national okay. defense is its own field. Um, it's a new field, just was added yeah. at the end of last year. Oh. And I should mention also that uh, a problem that we had in the first three years of the program was that there are talented people out there who don't neatly fit into any of those categories. Now, some, some people don't fit because they have been purposely excluded. For example, you'll, you might notice that, that healthcare professionals are not enlisted. So you can't, in general, you can't get a gold card if you're a doctor, to, a medical doctor to come to Taiwan. 
But there are a lot of other people who kind of fall in between the cracks. It's not really clear what field they're in. And so now they have a special category, which they call consultation, uh, which means that several of the ministries who are involved review the application together and see whether or not in the totality they can fit this person in. And 12 or 13 people have successfully applied under this. So that kind of solves a problem of for some people who weren't fitting neatly into any of these little boxes. So that's that's been a positive development. So those are the, the major fields that people uh, can apply for. Each of them requires you to, uh, you know, provide some documentation, uh, things like degrees. Uh, Taiwan is really big on awards. Um, it, it, very generally speaking, what they're looking for is uh, what they consider to be uh, an ob objective evidence of your professional accomplishments. So your resume is just something that you're telling them. It's kind of subjective. But if somebody's giving you an award, or for example, uh, maybe you got an award from your company for outstanding performance, they, they feel that that's objective. Or maybe you got some kind of award for a song you wrote, or uh, you know maybe your GitHub project has got uh, you know has got tens of thousands of downloads or something like that. All of these things are objective evidence that they that they they could use for your application. There is one category uh, that is probably the most popular and the most people are applying under, uh, which is um, it's in the economy field. And what you need to do for that is very simple. You just need a resume. Uh, you need a, a, a tax form for us people. That's a W two form showing that uh, you had about at least it's 160,000 NT uh, in monthly salary. So that's about 52 or 5,300 us dollars per month. And so that should show up in the wages and salary box on your W-2 form. And so you, you, you show that you meet the minimum salary, you give mm -hmm. them a, a resume, and you get a letter from your employer saying that you mm -hmm. actually worked at this company. And mm -hmm. if that company is a company that the Ministry of Economic Affairs would regulate in Taiwan, which is most businesses, uh, then you're good to go. And for that, because the the requirements for that category are relatively simple. Uh, something like 60% of people who've gotten gold cards have done it in the economy field under what we call the salary qualification, which is the equivalent of 160,000 per month uh, in one of the last three years. So it doesn't have to be for three years, uh, but it normally needs to be uh, for an entire year in any one of those three years. Hmm. That's interesting. That doesn't and sound so that's like that's pretty a... straightforward. Yeah, it sounds that sounds pretty straightforward. Do you know if there are like you mentioned some categories are more competitive than others? Like that doesn't sound like that's terribly competitive if you meet the requirements. Do you know if they have a cap on something like that? They do not have a cap on this. No, oh, that's really interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, the logic behind this is that for Taiwan, you know, 160,000 NT a month is a quite high salary. So right. they figure that if somebody is willing to pay you uh, significantly above market in Taiwan, mm -hmm. then you must have some skills that will benefit Taiwan and its economy. Now, mm -hmm. uh there has been some criticism of this because it's felt that this is too low. There, there are you in, if you're applying in this qualification, you wouldn't even need a college degree mm -hmm. if you oh, met I the see. salary requirement. I see. Uh, and you work for a company that would be regulated by the Ministry of Economic Affairs in uh, Taiwan, which again would be most companies. And so there has been some criticism, but for now they're holding with this uh, and you know, for many people, this is the 
best way and the clear, the clearest and easiest way for people to uh, apply. So just to further clarify, I'm curious, does that also mean that the person has to be currently employed when they're um, applying for this and in Taiwan under the gold card program? Like, no. Uh, no, really? Hmm. Yeah. The, the, um, you can apply from outside of Taiwan. The salary and wages that you earned, that your go to the salary requirement can be earned outside of Taiwan. And you don't need to be currently employed. It could have been in any of the last three years. So maybe before the pandemic, uh, you had a great job, but you unfortunately lost your job during the pandemic. Uh, you might be able to go back to 2000 and you would be currently here in 2022. You would be able to use 2021, 2020 or 2019 uh, mm -hmm. and provide your W-2 from 2019, and you should be able to qualify. And they don't have any requirements for what you do while you're in Taiwan either? Well, that's a great question. Um, generally speaking, uh, you with a gold card, you can do any kind of professional work. Once you're in Taiwan. Yeah. So the eight fields that I just set out economy mm -hmm. education science and technology culture and arts sports finance law architecture national defense that gives you a general idea of the scope uh in which you can work so mm -hmm. uh it would be okay uh, probably for you to come here with the economy and if you didn't find a job here in taiwan right away uh which can be a problem uh, you might go and teach English for a while and that would be fine because mm. teaching English is a professional job. You would not sure. be able to go work at 7-Eleven as a counter clerk because, <laughs> uh, you know, retail is not open to foreigners who work generally speaking. Okay. Hmm. Okay, this is very interesting. So you would also not be able to work, for example, as a bar as a bartender. Um, so in general, uh, kind of uh, service industry, customer facing service industry jobs are not open to foreign professionals. So there's a very wide range of things you could do, uh, sure. but there are some limitations. Oh, okay. Uh, and there, I should add that uh, that. The Ministry of Culture, for example, is a little bit picky about people who maybe you're a classical musician, so you came here under performing arts, but mm -hmm. uh, maybe you're, for example, your your instrument is a trumpet, which can also be used in popular music. The Ministry yeah. of Culture feels that you shouldn't be going off and doing recordings for uh, Taiwanese artists. So I would, uh, the best thing to say about this is that uh, in general, you can do any kind of professional job, but it might be a good idea to check with a lawyer or probably a lawyer for this uh, about if, if you have a, a, a particular question before you accept a particular kind of job. Right, because if you were um, caught doing something that's not within these categories, that could put your gold card status in jeopardy? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Just as in the U.S., uh, mm -hmm. you know, a foreign national working, you know, unlawfully, uh, which includes working outside the scope of what they're permitted to do, mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. very, has pretty serious repercussions. Mm -hmm. uh, not only would you probably lose your gold card, uh, but if you're found to have been working illegally, uh, you will be ordered to leave Taiwan, and then there will you will be subject to an exit, uh, an entry ban for three years. And mm -hmm. in the future, it would be very difficult for you to get a work permit again. So mm -hmm. it might be worth, uh, you know, before you, you know, if you're coming here and um, let's say you work for a big semiconductor company in the States and you're, you got a gold card based on that, and now you're going to go work for TSMC. 
that's pretty clear, clear yes. cut that it's, it's, yes. you know, yes. if you have questions about it, like maybe you're, you want to be a yoga instructor in your spare time that you might want to spend, you know, 350, 400 us dollars and talk to a lawyer for an hour uh, about whether that's mm-hmm. okay or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So have you seen um, or heard, like, have there been any abuses of the gold card program since it's been started? No, there, there have certainly not been any in the media. Uh, and I would say that the, I've met hundreds of gold card holders and mm-hmm. I've uh, counseled, uh, I would say, at least 40 or 50 formally and, and maybe another 40 or 50 informally. Um, and generally speaking, the caliber of the people who are applying and coming is very high. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm feeling very positive about the whole program. Uh, I don't have any sense at all that, mm-hmm. you know, people are taking advantage or doing. Now I have met one or two people along the lines who I think are just coming here to take a two or three year vacation uh, <laughs> and may not be, uh, you know, actively contributing uh, that much to Taiwan. That might've been a case with some of the COVID refugees, but I think that it's probably good for Taiwan because these people are, you know, even those people that I had some questions about and they were just one or two um, were talented professional people who, for whatever reasons, uh, you know, didn't necessarily want to go to, you know, to start working right away. And I don't think their presence in Taiwan was harming anything. And in one particular case, they started, they ended up uh, meeting some Taiwanese people who were, had a a project of mutual interest and they ended up starting Uh a company. So, yeah. And I I mean, that's not against the rules. At least they're not doing something outside of any of these categories, you know, that's in a service. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So there's some space for people Mm -hmm. uh, to find their feet in Taiwan and look around for something that interests them. And many people are uh, many people have decided they don't want to work for a Taiwanese company. And typically what they do is start their own business. And that's great for Taiwan. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. No, and I'm, I'm also just wondering, I'm just curious, and maybe we can look ahead at what's happened in Singapore, because you said Singapore has um, gotten very picky, and I'm wondering why that is, and if maybe we could be informed by why that is, looking ahead. Oh, my understanding is that there was backlash from, uh, you know, Singaporean citizens, and That's because, again, this is my understanding. I'm not super familiar with Singapore, but but from what I've read, um, uh, you know, it's really important to understand that Singapore and Hong Kong are, have extremely different economies than Taiwan does. Uh, Years ago, we lumped all these countries together as the four Asian tigers. And that was kind of really unhelpful because, you know, Taiwan and South Korea are both former colonies of Japan and have economies that are centered on manufacturing. Whereas Hong Kong and Singapore are, uh, you know, these little city states that are former British colonies and are very, very focused on high end services, especially like finance and this kind of thing and finance, insurance, you know. Um, And so, uh, and and in these countries, you have a very large population, or relatively large population of of very sophisticated Singaporean and Hong Kong professionals who are then in the position of competing with people from the UK or people from the States for good jobs. And, um, you know, there, there was some backlash from that. Uh, professionals in Taiwan are generally not, Taiwanese professionals are generally not that concerned about competition from foreign nationals coming to Taiwan and taking their jobs. It's just a, it's just a very different economic situation. Um, in finance, okay. which is where a lot of that backlash came from, mm-hmm. there are very, very few 
foreign bankers who can come to Taiwan and just get a job. Taiwan's banking mm-hmm. industry is focused on Taiwanese businesses. You have to speak uh-huh. excellent Chinese, and you probably yes. need to have been educated here and you know have your whole professional network here to mm-hmm. be successful. So the difference okay. is that uh, foreign prof- there are a lot more foreign professionals in Hong Kong and, and, and Singapore, and they were competing mm-hmm. with citizens for good jobs, and there was pushback mm-hmm. for that. We're, okay. we're not in that position in Taiwan. And now for a short break. Talking Taiwan is a listener-supported podcast, and we want to take a moment to thank those of you who have made a financial contribution. We are committed to creating better awareness and understanding of Taiwan. As the Golden Crane Award winner and the longest-running Taiwan-related podcast, we want to keep it that way, which is why we are now working on building Talking Taiwan into a legacy that will last for generations to come. To do this, we've launched a crowdfunding campaign on GoFundMe.com. Talking Taiwan has been produced on a shoestring budget, but now it's time to build a lasting infrastructure to expand our offerings. Find us on GoFundMe.com by searching for Talking Taiwan and make a contribution there today. We'll put a link to the campaign on our show notes. We are so grateful for our growing listenership and all of the support that we've been receiving. What changes have been made to the gold card program since it started in 2018? Well, there was a whole raft of um, uh, amendments to the law in at the end of that came into effect at the end of last year. Uh, the two, uh, there were three important changes. Uh, one is that the requirement for permanent residence, which is like having a green card in the states, was lowered from five years to three years. That's really significant because if you're going to be in Taiwan for any length of time, you want to have permanent residence. And uh, now the gold card makes that really easy to get. Two, uh, there are tax incentives uh, if you have a gold card. Uh, If you're employed in Taiwan and um, you're working in your professional field, uh, you get a 50% tax break on income above about 90,000 US dollars. And that tax break originally lasted for three years, and now it's been extended to five years. The other thing that's important for some people uh, is that Taiwan has an alternative minimum tax that can reach your worldwide income if you're making, uh, if you have worldwide income of above about $200,000. There's a kind of calculated, complicated formula for this. I've talked to a tax professional if you're in this this area. But in general, you need to start worrying about alternative minimum tax on your worldwide income. Uh, you know, for example, maybe you have rental income in the States or something like that. Uh, and you need to start worrying about that at about 200000 US dollars. And if you're here in Taiwan on the gold card and you're a resident for six months or more, you're exempted from alternative minimum tax for five years. So the tax incentives were extended from three years to five years. And then the other one that uh, maybe won't affect that many people, but is still kind of important is that, uh, actually this wasn't directly related to the gold card, but I'll just mention it anyway. Uh, For an ordinary work permit, you normally need uh, a college degree and two years of related experience. And that's been a long-term problem for people who are recent college graduates who want to work in Taiwan for a year or two to get some experience and improve their Chinese. However, now, if you graduated from one of the top 500 universities in the world, you don't need the two years of experience. You can just come here with a college degree and get uh, an ordinary work permit. Uh, That's a little different from the gold card because you need to find an employer for that. But uh, that was another significant change. So those were the three big changes. There were some other smaller ones, but they're they're a little technical. I, I wrote an article about this in um, the, oh, okay. Amer- the American Chamber of Commerce. Taiwan has a very fine publication called uh, uh, Taiwan Business Topics, uh, which I encourage anyone who's interested in business in Taiwan and Taiwan's economy to to read. It's one of the best English publications on Taiwan. 
and they graciously uh, let me publish uh, uh, an article about the changes to the law at the end of last year, which you can find for free online. Oh, great. So if you could um, give me that link, I'll make sure that we put that in our show notes so people can refer to that. Sure. I think that, first of all, that people should know that there are some resources out there uh, that can help them. Uh, one of them is the Taiwan National Development Council's uh, site called Foreign Talent, which has all of the information that is needed in English, uh, although it may not be organized exactly uh, it's pretty good for a Taiwanese site. The English is fine, but it's it's organized from the point of view of the civil servants who run the program, and they don't think about the world the same way as you or I do. Uh, no. So some people might find it a little bit difficult to digest uh, everything that's there, but everything is there. So they have also set up a um, something called the Taiwan Employment, uh, the Taiwan Gold Card Office. Uh, which is um, they've they've hired a uh, company in Taiwan. Uh, I know the, the principals very well, and they're doing a great job. And to, to basically function as a help desk for people who are applying, and also to give them support uh, after they're here. And they're, they they um, they have their own website. I think they've organized the information in a better way. And you can either call them or just get help from them, uh, you know, through their online chat function. And they're very up to date. Uh, I think that um, what what I tell people is that most people applying for a gold card could just do it themselves. Uh, some people doing it will need a little bit of help from the gold card office, uh, which they're can can do and then there's a few people in a few special categories where you know the the requirements are a little bit harder to understand and it just takes a bit more experience those people mm -hmm. that tiny minority no less than five percent of people applying sure. uh or people who run into problems while they're applying you know might right. need to go to a professional like uh uh they're to to get some help and there's two kinds of professionals in Taiwan who can help. Uh, one is a, a licensed immigration specialist. Um, there's a company called Taiwan Easy Permit uh, that, that does this. Um, uh, I have not worked with them, uh, but I've met them at various, you know, immigration law related events and they seem very knowledgeable and, uh, uh, you know, they have licensed professionals who are working and I'm, feel they could probably do it. Uh, and then if you, but if you really have kind of a naughty case or a difficult one, or, or it's really important that you get, you get approved, you know, relatively smoothly, you might want to talk to a Taiwanese lawyer. They're probably the most effective advocates uh, when working with the civil servants and this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So that's one thing to mention. Uh, and then another thing is um, a bit of a caution which is that, um, you know, the gold card program is great, but there have been some people who've come to Taiwan with the gold card, been really excited. They've kind of gotten here and, um, you know, they've been surprised to discover that there may not be a whole lot of jobs here for them. Uh, you know, it's, it's, um, uh, like I said, Taiwan's a manufacturing economy. So, you know, they're, you know, what you're doing in the States may not be something that there's uh, a whole lot of available positions for, or if, even if there are, it might be necessary to know Chinese uh, for them. So there have been some problems with people not being able to put their skills to work here. Uh, it's just a much smaller, you know, market, and uh, my advice in general would be that um, most smart, capable people who really want to be in Taiwan find their own niche here. But it's not um, it's it's not necessarily a great place to go develop your career. As as a friend of mine uh, said years ago, Taiwan is where people's careers go to die. Uh, maybe not if you're in the semiconductor industry, but uh, for for many others, there might not be as many opportunities as there are in the states. And 
it's also important to be aware that uh, salaries are significantly lower than in the U.S. Uh, I would say a third or, or half is uh, the most you could expect. Um, but uh, Taiwan is a great place to open a business and do business. So uh, there have been lots of people who've been like, well, I don't like what I'm seeing here on the job market. And I think that uh, I can set up a business and serve some of my customers or clients in the States or in Europe. And people have been very successful in doing that. Uh, mm-hmm. So it does take a little get up and go. Uh, it's not going to yeah. be handed to you on a silver platter here. Or perhaps if somebody has a job that where they can have a little bit of a location independence, uh, that could also be a good option for them to you know, temporarily. Oh, we're seeing a lot of that. Yeah. We're seeing a lot of people uh, who are working for U.S. companies and then maybe for personal reasons they need to move back to Taiwan. Uh, you know, family is here or something like that. And um the U.S. company doesn't want to lose them, and they have uh, agreed to let them work remotely uh, from Taiwan, and that works fine with a gold card. Of course, there have been digital nomads for years, and this is good for uh, gold card holders uh, as well. Um, so there's there's a lot of people doing lots of productive stuff, uh, but I, you know, I have met some highly qualified. Uh, for example, I remember one case in particular, a professional in the finance industry, and he, he was very frustrated because he came to Taiwan and he was very excited about it. He said, he, you know, he knew that he was going to be taking a big pay cut, um, but he applied for a job that he had done, you know, 10 years ago, uh, you know, and had since become much more senior in Taiwan, and he didn't even get an interview. Uh you know the, the the banks and the finance sector are a bit of a close uh, a closed shop. Um, uh, that is not to say that there haven't been foreigners who have been very successful in that field, um, but uh, you know it, you do have to find your own place here. I think is uh, be prepared uh, for that. Uh, the last thing I would mention on that note, though, people often ask me. Is it necessary to speak Chinese uh, to live or work in Taiwan? And I would say not necessarily. There are plenty of people who've lived for Taiwan in year for years and have very successful careers who don't speak very much Chinese at all. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say that it would enrich your experience tremendously. Uh, I don't know about financially, but I I would highly (laughs) recommend it. And I would recommend that you study Chinese when you first get here, because after you get here and you get busy, you won't have the time that's required to do it. You're not going to just pick up Chinese or a few people do, but the vast majority of us need to go to class for a couple hours a day for a year. Yeah, right. And you get comfortable. I'm just also curious about the application process. Maybe this is a just a practical question, like if somebody's going through the application and they submit and something's wrong with it, what happens if something like that happens? Will they be told, well, something's incomplete and they can be given a chance to rectify that or whatever it is that's missing or not filled out properly? Yes, yes. If there's something wrong with your uh, application, uh you know, they will give you uh, 30 days to fix it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is where, you know, people start to have some problems um, because what happens is that you get a uh, an email uh, back mm-hmm. from the civil servants who reviewed your application and mm-hmm. their English is not perfect and they're, uh, and there are also bureaucrats who are yes. thinking about the world and the way that they do. And so some sure. people get things back that, you know, they kind of understand every word in English that's written there, but they don't really understand what they're being asked for. Uh, and that's when you might <laughs> right. need, you should first go to the Taiwan Gold Card office because the, the ordinary, you know, most people run into trouble for, for the same five or six reasons. And the gold card office sure. is totally capable of, of helping yeah. you with them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, if they can't help, uh, you know, you might need to resort to, to a professional at that point, but you sure. have 30 days to rectify. 
these days, a gold card application is taking, I would say, somewhere between four to six weeks to get approved if everything is right. Uh, If you have to supplement, you need to add another month or so on top of that. Uh Um, And but it it should be pretty straightforward. It's it's straightforward for most people. If you read around Mm -hmm. online, uh, obviously the people who've had problems, you know, complain the loudest. So understandably. Um, And, you know, not everybody has had a 100 percent smooth experience, but the vast majority of people have. And you're not hearing from them. You're hearing from the ones. Yes, that's usually the case. Yeah. And so if somebody were to apply and for some reason legitimately not be able to get it, what happens then? Is there a certain period of time that they have to wait before they reapply or they're not allowed to apply? Like what happens in those cases? There's no prejudice to being uh, rejected. Um, (laughs) I think that you're probably not going to be rejected unless it goes through the full process. Um, one, one thing that one thing that happens fairly often is that uh, let's say you're applying in the most common way to apply, which is in the economics field, a.k.a. Right. business, and right. you're applying under the salary qualification and you have a W-2 from 2019 that shows mm-hmm. that you uh, um, made the equivalent of 160000 NT a month. And then you need to get a letter from your company saying that you work there. And then what happens right. then is that the Ministry of Labor, which is the one who actually reviews the work permit component of all this, will, if they're not sure that the company you worked for is something that would be regulated by the Ministry of Economic Affairs in Taiwan, they will go to the Ministry of Economic Affairs and ask them for their opinion. Is this company one you would regulate in Taiwan? And, you know, maybe you work for some kind of travel company like Expedia Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the Ministry of Economic Affairs will say, oh, travel is not in our uh, wheelhouse. Uh, Travel is something that the Ministry of Transportation and Communications does. We don't regulate that. So they can't come in on a on a gold card. Mm. Um, You know, in that situation, you know, if you if you tried to reapply using the same company, you probably wouldn't get, uh, you know, unless you could explain somehow that it, what you would do in this situation is you would go and change to the consultation uh, route that I talked about before, which is designed precisely for this kind of situation. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they would they would look at it. Uh Legally, your application, a reapplication would not be prejudiced. So if you work for somebody else in 2020 who really does fall under the Ministry of Economic Affairs regulatory right. purview, uh, mm-hmm. they would be fine with that. If you applied mm-hmm. with the same company, you'd probably mm-hmm. be rejected again. And you mentioned that the arts and culture entertainment category is probably the more competitive one. Why is that? Only part of it. Uh there are four subfields in arts and culture, uh, mm-hmm. performing arts, um, writing, basically they call it publishing, uh, yes. popular music and, um, uh, TVs and movies and handicrafts. And there, there's a couple others for arts administrators mm-hmm. and stuff too. Mm-hmm. The one that's difficult is, uh, popular music, TV, okay and movies, like actors, and okay. that kind of thing. actors, directors, okay. and that sort of thing. The reason for that is that professional musicians and professional actors in Taiwan have voiced their concern that uh, foreign nationals are going to come to Taiwan and take their jobs away, and there aren't enough jobs uh, currently right. for professional right. musicians, for example. So they made that, right. that particular subfield pretty tough. You have to be like an Oscar, Grammy, award-winning professional oh you don't need to be it, it, it when you first look at the materials it might look like that um yeah. but actually if you're a you know established actor who's had you know fairly substantial tv parts and this kind of thing and you're a member of the screen actors guild you you'll, you'll probably qualify uh 
And if you're a professional musician with a long track record, and maybe you don't have a Grammy, but you have some other things, you'll, you'll probably Records or them. other things under your belt or yeah, professional yeah. accomplishments. Um, on the other hand, if you're a classical musician, mm-hmm. you apply under performing arts mm-hmm. uh, and or you're some other non-popular uh, music category. Right? I'm thinking of one example of uh, somebody who was a professional bluegrass musician in the States. And this person was able to qualify under performing arts with no problem. Uh, And people who do classical music are qualifying with not too much difficulty. So those fields are Mm -hmm. not really that hard. It's just the popular music, movies, and TV Mm -hmm. category that's that's Mm -hmm. a bit Mm -hmm. more tricky. Um, Mm -hmm. Those people might need help. What other advice do you have for people who are interested in living in Taiwan? How should they prepare? What are the considerations that they have? One, like if they're planning to live here, and then then two, anything else you want to expand on in terms of the job market and finding work? Well, I think the, the big one we've already covered, which is the possible challenges with finding, you know, meaningful and well-paid uh work that's yeah. that that seems to be the one that people are um most uh you know the the biggest problems right. arise from uh people coming with families need to think about their children's education um there are international schools of various kinds throughout taiwan uh, mm-hmm. but many people initially are thinking the taipei american school and the taipei european school and it's right. my understanding that those have been pretty crowded uh, in the past couple of years. Um, The good news is that you might be able to go somewhere else in Taiwan. uh, And there are also quite a few, Taiwan has a very vibrant alternative education uh, sector now. Not a whole lot of information is available in English, but um, there are many alternatives that might well be worth looking into besides the European and uh, uh, American school. And the other thing I guess that I would, I would uh, encourage people to do is that most people who aren't deeply familiar with Taiwan already um, are understandably kind of, they kind of all live in Taipei by default. Uh, But I would urge people to consider the possibility that other places in Taiwan um, might have a better quality of life uh, and uh, might be more interesting places to live than in Taipei. And with the high-speed rail, it's really easy to come in here for the weekend uh, to, you know, enjoy some of the, the perks of the big city and that kind of thing. So so, so look at places besides uh, Taipei would be the other thing that I would uh, uh, type. Yeah. You know, many people coming here from... Japan or from Hong mm-hmm. Kong are moving to Taichung, uh, yeah. where the weather is a lot better than Taipei. Mm-hmm. It's probably the city in Taiwan that's the most similar to Taipei, uh, right. and it's not very far away from Taipei. Uh, yeah. The one yeah. drawback is that it does have some air quality issues. Yeah, people who haven't been to Taiwan, the high-speed rail, it's like 90 minutes from Kaohsiung to Taipei, right? That's right. So... Uh, you know, there are an increasing number of both Taiwanese and, you know, if you don't need to come into Taipei every day, uh, I, I know an increasing number of people who just commute here two or three times, uh, to, to Taipei two or three times a week from places like, especially from Taichung, but also from Jiayi and, 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 and other places, because it's really, uh, an hour or an hour and a half on the, the high speed rail and you're right here. We talked briefly about Forward Taiwan and your involvement with that. Well, I'm uh, a, a co-founder of Forward Taiwan, and it's a organization that was founded almost 10 years ago now that was intended to try to improve Taiwan's immigration laws, especially as they pertain to foreign professionals. Can you talk a little bit about, is there anything that Forward Taiwan is working on right now, or what is their main focus these days? Forward Taiwan is um, is is mainly focused on policy. 
okay. trying to make it easier for foreign professionals to live and work in Taiwan. So over the years, we've dealt with all kinds of issues, big and small, uh, things like getting credit cards and the two-year work experience requirement. We don't try to help individual cases. So okay. what, we, what we do is we talk to people, we find out what the problems are, and then we go talk to the government uh, okay. about them. Um, and actually, um, at this point, Forward Taiwan, most of the things that we set out to do 10 years ago have been accomplished. Uh, there are great. still some niggling issues that, you know, we'd like to see some improvement on. Um, the big issue that we're working on now may not directly affect gold card holders, at least at first. Sure. The big issue we're working on now, the last one on our list, uh, was... Um, a, uh, better access to dual nationality for people who are naturalizing as Taiwanese citizens. Uh, Taiwan is uh, a country that, um, like other, there are other countries in the world that do this, Germany, Singapore, China, Japan. Um, what they, they, they're single nationality countries. What they say is that uh, if you become German, you need to give up your original country of citizenship. Uh, right. And so if you're an American and you're looking to become a Taiwanese citizen, it's not that difficult to do, but you have to give up your American citizenship, which a lot okay. of people aren't prepared to do. Right. Uh, okay. We have been advocating for a long time that we think that this is unfair because Taiwan is unu very unusual in that, mm -hmm. uh, for example, Germany, if a German citizen becomes an American citizen, they also have to give up their German citizenship. You can only, if you're a German citizen, you can only have one citizenship. But oh. Taiwan is very special. Uh, Taiwan allows Taiwanese citizens to go off and acquire second or third citizenships, and they don't right. have to give up their Taiwanese citizens. It's only something okay. that naturalizing right. citizens have to do. Okay. And so, okay. uh, about five years ago, they allowed, they started allowing senior foreign professionals to naturalize without giving up their uh, original citizenship. And we're advocating to broaden that, uh, you know, a little bit. You know, we're not saying that everyone should just be able to come here and become a citizen, but we think that people who've been living and working and paying taxes in Taiwan for 10 years or 15 years uh -huh. should be treated equally on this and that it's good for Taiwan. You know, uh -huh. the many Taiwanese Americans who are out there advocating for Taiwan are a real source of strength for Taiwan. And we think mm -hmm. that uh, naturalized citizens in Taiwan uh, would, would also uh, be, be good for Taiwan. So that's really the big project and it, it's difficult. There's, there's opposition to this uh, and, and, you know, understandably it's a big, it would be a big change. Um, so mm -hmm. that's the big one we're working on there. Personally, um, I'm actually uh, transitioning to working more on migrant worker uh, issues. These are people from typically from Southeast Asia who are coming to Taiwan to work as domestic workers or uh, on fishing boats or in factories. And they have, you know, there's discrimination. There's a lot of problems. Uh it's not all bad. Uh, there's a lot of positive things too. Uh, but, um, you know, they kind of need my help more than the relatively privileged, uh, uh, you know, professionals coming. Um, yes. But, you know, the, at, at the time we started Forward Taiwan, I knew from personal experience that while foreign professionals were privileged and have more money and don't need as much help, there were real problems. And we feel sure. that we solved a lot of them. Uh, That's incredible. And now the government and the gold card office uh, are really working on those issues too. So, so okay. um, the, it's less the, the the day to day stuff is less urgent, and we can focus on the big issues now. Taiwan is I I think it's a, a, a great place to live. The people are wonderful. The food is great. Uh, you know, I've had a uh, a good career here, and 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 I encourage other people to come. But it's not perfect. It, it, it it's a it's a real country. It's not just uh, all you know boba tea and uh, uh, <laughs> silicon chips. It, it has real social problems, and yeah, uh, you yeah. know there are things that could be improved. Um, 
yeah. but uh, there's a lot of positives too. Yeah. And I, I'm curious, like that's a really huge accomplishment, like what you said with uh, for Taiwan, that you had 10 things that you wanted to address and most of them have been addressed. So I'm wondering um, if you could just give me a highlight of what you think are the most meaningful accomplishments that got addressed from that list. Well, making it easier for people who have just graduated from college and who want to come and live and work in Taiwan for a few years. Uh, so not only do the top 500 people from the top 500 universities not need two years of work experience, there's a somewhat complicated, but there's a, there is a mechanism where a Taiwanese employer can go to the labor department and ask for an exemption to the two-year work experience requirement. And the last time I checked, 80 or 90% of those applications are being approved. And then third, uh, there are an increasing number of countries that Taiwan has working holiday agreements with where uh, people could come for uh, a year and, and, and work um, and you know, unfortunately, the United States is not one of those countries, uh, but many European countries, Australia, New Zealand, and so on. So that's been one accomplishment, making it easier for uh, people to come here. Um, another thing we were involved in was that uh, Taiwan's made it really easy for people who graduate from a Taiwanese university to stay and live and work in Taiwan. And there was a, a point system that was developed uh, back in about 2014 and, and involved in, in that. Uh, and that was very gratifying. Um, that's led to thousands and thousands of foreign graduates staying in, in Taiwan. Um, and I, I think the, the whole gold card program, now the gold card program was something that the National Development Council came up with. It was their idea. Uh, they based it on what Singapore does. Um, but they really listened to us and took a lot of our suggestions on board. And, you know, we, we worked together to try to make it as uh, uh, effective as possible. And, and they're, you know, with the latest amendments, they're, you know, there's, there's going to be problems with any program. And, and a lot of those were hopefully fixed. Um, and so that was very gratifying, too, to see something that, you know, it, it had been launched and fairly successfully. But there was some mid-course uh, um correction that took place. Uh, another thing was that um, we got, there, there used to be a problem where it, it was risky for foreigners to do volunteer work in Taiwan because any kind of work, any kind of provision of a service, uh, whether you're paid or not, can be work in Taiwan. So if you didn't have a work mm -hmm. permit, you might not be able to do volunteer work, like oh, coach see, for right. your kid's soccer sure. team or something like that. Um, and we haven't totally resolved that issue, but uh, I can say that through a lot of work, we've helped the government clarify that for most volunteer work, there's no problem. Right. So there could be maybe a little bit more leniency or understanding if somebody gets involved with volunteer work. Yeah. Oh, another another thing that we we what was our idea I, was our idea, and that they implemented in the in in about the same time as the gold card is Taiwan also has um, an independent artist work permit. Uh, it's, it's easier to get than the gold card in culture. Uh, and that's been, you know, we only have a few hundred people who've, who've come and taken advantage of it, but that's, that's another option for, for people who are, uh, you know, kind of in the creative side of things uh, to come to Taiwan as well. Another issue that we were able to help with was there was a long issue with, uh, foreign married couples where one of the so two foreigners are married to each other one of them is working mm -hmm. in taiwan with a work permit that person eventually gets yeah. a permanent residence after five years uh -huh. um right but to get permanent residence there's a means test you have to have income so if you're a spouse who stays home and takes care of the kids you don't have any income. So they were, they, we had sure. people who had been here for 20 years who were never, never able to become permanent residents. Um, and yeah. we were able to resolve that, that issue as, as well. They mm -hmm. can, they can now get it. So that, that was, right. that was, that was good. I was curious to know a little bit more. You mentioned that independent artists program. 
How, what is the requirement mm-hmm. for that? You would be, you know, a performing artist or a writer or, uh, you know, it's pretty broad. And you kind of have to give them a portfolio of your work. It helps to have some awards and maybe a degree in the, in the relevant area. But uh, it's, you know, if you're, if you're somebody who can make a living from your creative work, uh, you can probably get it. Uh, again, the information about the independent artist work permit is on the National Development Council's website. Uh, okay. That's something the gold card office won't help with, though, because it's not it's yeah. not a gold card. Right. It's something separate. Right. Michael, I want to thank you so much for your time today and being on Talking Taiwan. Well, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. I've been speaking with Michael Fahey, an American lawyer based in Taiwan, about Taiwan's gold card program. If you enjoyed this episode, go on over to Audible or Apple Podcasts and leave us a review there. It helps others to discover Talking Taiwan. Tell a friend about us or subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. To learn more about any of the items mentioned in this episode, visit our website, TalkingTaiwan.com. There will list any related links. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.